I'm Ryan Johnson. I'm Tyler Schmidt. I'm Lou Janu. And this is Car Talk, a podcast about trading cards. We're here to teach you everything you need to know about flipping cards. Whether it's the next breakout rookie, a new Magic the Gathering release on the way, or Pokemon's 25th anniversary, we'll break it all down. So sit back and listen up. Those cards collecting dust in your closet could make you some real cash. Welcome to Card Talk. All right, welcome back to Card Talk, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Ryan, joined by Tyler and Lou, my awesome co-hosts on this show. As we start episode three today, got a lot to talk about. Going to get into some of the more high-end auctions selling on some of the big marketplaces and cards recently. LeBron Jordan Logo Man, LeBron Exquisite, etc. And as we get into the LeBron Exquisite sale, we'll also talk about LeBron's post on the SportsCenter Instagram post talking about him owning some of his exquisite RPAs and what that means for the hobby with LeBron acknowledging sports cards and, and stuff like that. And then we'll, uh, we got an awesome interview th- this episode with Mike, MC Sports Cards, who's a big time player in the high end sports card game. So we'll, uh, we'll sit down for an awesome discussion with him. Then we'll go into a question we got from a listener about non quarterbacks in the football card game and what their market is like, and how it compares to some of the the superstar quarterbacks. And we'll finish it up with a preview of some of the upcoming releases, including a product that is going to have LeBron and Jordan autographs in it, and what that will look like. So first thing we're going to discuss today, though, is baseball is back. America's game. (laughs) Recent explosion over the last five to seven days, it seems like with a lot of upcoming stars, PSA 10 rookies starting to increase in price. Just wanted to jump in here and start with you, Lou. What, uh, what you've seen over the last week or so in terms of baseball singles. Yeah. coming off PSA a big fantasy draft like too, that. huh? Yeah, I had a massive fantasy draft this weekend. Shout out to the Super League. It was a nice little six and a half hour draft session. That was interesting. Um, <laughs> uh, but I yeah, baseball is super back. Um Thursday, tomorrow, when you guys listen to this, is the first games of the season. Um, and we've seen a big jump, like we would with anything else. I think basketball has been heavy on everyone's mind as of late, um, and soccer as well. But with baseball coming back and how how much loyalty there is in the hobby for baseball, uh, I wanted to make sure we got into that a little bit here. Um, you know, guys like Robert, guys like Soto, Acuna. Uh, I think there's a lot of potential there for people. So would love to get into that a little bit, Ty, if you could pull it up. Yeah. And before we go into some of the products and, and some of probably the hotter things that will be flying around the market, would love to just get grounded. If I'm a big basketball guy, getting into the market, want to diversify a little bit, starting to pay attention to baseball and understanding of the products. There's obviously Bowman. Mm-hmm. Bowman is a historic brand in the industry owned by Topps. They used to be competitors. Tops purchased them. What the Bowman product is compared to, say, a Tops update or Top Series Two, and and how the release kind of schedule works. Knowing that a lot of guys come up from the minors, mm-hmm. they stay for a day. What that looks like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Bowman has been around, like Tyler was saying, it's been around for like ninety years or something like that. At this point, you know, you can find Bowman cards from the forties. Um, but you know, typically when you're talking about your Bowman cards, you're talking about your minor leaguers, your first Bowman. Um, your top prospects and different prospects that tops chooses to place into each release. Um, there's three releases throughout the year. There's Bowman baseball, which comes out at the beginning of the season in April. Bowman Chrome is usually a August, September release, Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong. And then there's Bowman 
Yeah, and then there's Bowman Draft in uh, December, right. which is primarily highlights the drafted players from the previous draft class. Um, and then once you get to the majors, you have regular tops. Again, there's several updates throughout the year. Uh, there's top series one drops in April. Series two come at, came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, and then there's tops update. Those are your three flagship products. There's a bunch of other ones in the mix. Same way as Panini operates for basketball. Uh, but those are your flagships and where you find your main rookie cards. Um, but but tops with baseball, it's a little bit different. To me, it's the only one that kind of updates and just by the nature of the sport. I remember, was it series two last year? Where Vlad, like that was his first card, yeah. so that that product got a lot, of, and that was like mid baseball yeah. season. Yeah, right? so it's as guys come up, basically tops places those rookies in that release that happens. Then, yep. that's a call out for you. Appreciate that. So then, some of the products end up doing better than the others in terms of series one, series two, or update depending on who's in it. So last mm-hmm. year, series two and does update. better than series one just based on who's in it, and same thing that this year, series one doesn't it does better than series two because series one has mm-hmm. lux bachette and yordan yeah and then the other thing only to point out is sometimes Robert. tops hold guys back because they're not sure who's going to be in the next release like yordan realistically should have been in probably series two but update i thought he should have been in series two series probably one. or update that's what i'm saying he I should have been in one of those last year but they last held him back year. for series one this year just to make the product a little yeah. bit stronger yep and and then exactly. what goes yeah, uh, you know, just the history of baseball and how much was prospecting and even minor leagues around the country. You know, now we're not really sure where the future of minor league sits, and and I think can have a big, a big impact on the release cycle and the product across baseball. You know, Rye, have you seen that with with just kind of pre ordering in the shop? Does anyone do you have any information on where it's going to shake out with? minor league baseball now really having a mass deduction in terms of talent and how that might impact the prospecting and and Bowman market. I don't have any, any insight there. No, but it's definitely a, a, a great point to bring up and something to definitely watch over the coming months is what does that look like? Like who's going to be an update, right? Cause it's mostly going to be guys that get called up throughout the year when 160 plus game series or season. So with a 60 game season and no minor leagues, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that and, and who some of the next guys are for update yeah, baseball or some know, of the minor league products the coming out this MLB year. MLB draft wouldn't be for a couple more weeks, right? They already had the draft a couple weeks ago. So that'll be interesting for when they decide to put out Bowman draft. Like realistically, they could put out Bowman draft in two months and it would be fine, which is off schedule, but still gets into the making sure you get the guys out. I still think the prospects are generally pretty well planned out a little bit in advance so that shouldn't mess up the releases too much for bowman if anything i think it hurts 2021's products yeah and what's something that's playing through my mind right now and going back to national last year uh, in our convo with aaron about the the knowledge base that one can have in in prospecting and how that can turn into money i should give dj a shout out for the comsi grind i love the grind of like buying like cards for 50 cent at huge volume and like flipping them for four dollars i feel like those were a lot of like the early brandon warren key gary's friend story or like people are doing that at scale to make margin we're obviously going to have a conversation with mike later on a much higher mm-hmm. mid six figures potentially seven figure you know, product game. but it's all the same hobby and the the bowman market proved for a lot of people that you can if you know your your game and they, they don't even have to be a superstar but you can buy someone at scale for fifty cents and flip them for five dollars a couple months later, and, and that can 
really have a good impact for people. Absolutely. Yeah, I, th- I think if you have a hundred bucks, right, and you can buy ten of one guy, and that guy goes to twenty five dollars, which is pretty realistic, honestly. Like as guys shoot up rankings, the prices just go up naturally, right? Um, so yeah, like you can pretty quickly turn hundred dollars into three hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'd love to get into those prices a little bit if we can, just because like Luis Robert, if we could start with Robert, that'd be awesome because he's obviously a super hot topic right now. He's kind of 2020s Vlad Guerrero Jr. in a a way. Um, every single day you go on Instagram, he's hitting a bomb like to the moon. So, so what's up with Luis? He, he plays, uh, in Chicago for the White Sox, So he's a White Sox, White Sox. Yeah. And, uh, he is currently in the major league camp. I believe he's going to start the season with the team. I think it was still kind of up in the air. Um, but shout out to me for getting smoked on a deal. I sold my Luis Robert card a month and a half ago when I thought there was going to be no baseball for 120. Mm. Um, and now, and which, since... which is it specifically? Cause as yep. so it's the I'm, first showing, one. I'm showing some video on the screen right now, yep. we're looking at eBay. I have a search for Luis Robert Bowman Chrome PSA 10. Yep. Can you click into that actually? So I could show yep. off like the main part. So 2018 so is... is his first year. And then the thing you're looking for when it comes to a Bowman card is that little first symbol on the top, right? Um, mm-hmm. that indicates that it's their first ever card. So his is actually interesting because he has, typically they don't have headshots like that as Bowman cards, right, Ryan? It's normally guys on the field doing stuff. I don't think I've ever seen a headshot on this, but I also don't follow the baseball market quite like you do. Um, but yeah, it's a... Yeah, like, typically that this also this year's also different because they had image variations. So like, for this is his main card. But um, yeah, so you're looking for that first logo on the top right you see there. Yeah, it'll say first Bowman um, and- on it. Mm-hmm. And then there's alternate, as you can see, there's alternate years where there's image variations, et cetera. But what you're looking for is that first Bowman. Um, and yeah, so his cards are going for 225 to 250 right now, pretty consistently. And, mm-hmm. and to give some context, I believe they were about 160 about a week ago. So that's yeah. a pretty significant move in you know a week's time. Mm-hmm. And some of the other stuff that Tyler's got on screen here, these are like Bowman Chrome cards from other releases. So again, like Lou said, there's Bowman, Bowman Chrome, Bowman Draft. These guys will get additional cards in those other products. They're just not as desirable as the first Bowman rookie. That's just something that's key to point out here is the the first Bowman rookie, the the Chrome version will will hold a significant weight versus some of their rookies or inserts from like Bowman Chrome or other ones that aren't that don't specifically say first Bowman. Yeah. And this is a little different. Another way this is different from your basketball is what happens is people like to start playing in other cards. And that typically doesn't Mm -hmm. stand the same test with baseball. Like the first Bowman is pretty much all you're looking for when it comes to minor leaguers. Um, And then as he got called up, so he's in top series two this year, his car hasn't seen that much of a jump just because there's not that many out there at the moment. Um, Yeah. He has a top pro debut. So pro debut is another one that comes out, but that's not as important. Um, but yeah, and, so like his, his card has gone from 105 on June 2nd to there's a 240 sale there today. So in a, about a month and a half's time, that card's jumped 150%. So. Yeah, and something I, I like to do generally, if you're sitting back and you're like, all right, I'm a, I'm a White Sox fan or I like up and coming baseball stars and I'm going to get involved with Luis Robert. Obviously, we've talked about the, the Topps Chrome, his first Bowman. Um, I like to do things where you just search like the name, even though, you know, there's going to be a ton of variations we've talked about in the past, right? You've dropped some great gems just on like eBay hacks. Even I, I tend to just do PSA 10 searches if I haven't done it in three, four days and just see what the first 50 items that sold on eBay under PSA 10 
typically it's 60, 65% baseball, but something can happen and you'll see a spike or some, some random stuff. We were talking today, um, Malcolm Brogdon had a couple random sales, like three mm-hmm. or four. And I was like, ah, someone, someone is picking up a, a little bit, something they might, I don't know. He's playing well in camp or what have you, but I like to go in here. It's how I actually found the, the shiny Charizard hidden fates where I just said, Ooh, it seems like hidden fates is a hot set. Let me just search it. And I saw that there were multiple sales going on. And it just means that that card, you're either sensing demand or starting to just look forward to it. And so even if you just search Luis Robert PSA 10 and go down, you can start to get some data. You can understand, okay, this card's generally going for 240. Why? And and go down that rabbit hole. Just just a good way of doing research. And then and then go more direct. Bowman Chrome, Tops Update, 2018 will, versus 2019. It will also show you which card they're selling the most of. And you'll notice the first 20 cards on there, 14 of them or 15 of them are the first Bowman, right? So that will tell you which card people are grading, which card people are buying and what, and that it's selling for much more than the other one. So I think that's also key is when you search the PSA 10, you'll see which card people want and which card is, is selling. Yeah. My move is usually type in like Luis Robert RC and then whatever has, whatever I see the most of, I'm like, okay, cool. That's the main card. Yeah. And, and it can give you an insight into like what might be the next card. Because sometimes the cards rise so much they price out a subset of people and yeah, people want to come in at Luis Robert and find like that next level. Yeah, that's something I am curious about. I don't really know how that plays out for a Bowman or a baseball thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so in general, if we could jump over to another one, more of a major league guy, a more of a blue chip blue chip player is Ronald Acuna. Um, he's kind of the golden goose for super modern players right now. Um, his tops update. So this is a tops update card. So he came up in 2018 in like the middle of the season and his main update card is right here. So the PSA tens right now are going for around 230, 225, 230. That card's risen up from 190, I think last week. So it's a little bit less of a jump there because there's less hype associated with him. Um, it's already priced in a bit. Huh? It's already just been priced in a little it's bit. It's priced in a little been- bit. And it's also like, again, Robert has been on Instagram this whole week going crazy and Acuna has not. Yep. He's also um, had major league at bats. It's a little bit of that like yep. Danny Dimes or uh combo we had uh about Drew Locke. If he goes oh oh and six versus if Sam Darnold goes oh and six, it's a, it's not as equivalent. Exactly. Yeah. I think and he's also a much safer investment for your money as well. So yep. um yeah. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on those guys. Yeah, so just we're we're looking again if you're listening. On the video on the screen right now, we're showing the 2018 Tops update, Ronald Acuna Jr. at bat in blue jersey. It's kind of like through his swing already. Uh, it is the Acuna card. And where does he, any comp, Lou, like in terms of him as a player, just maybe yeah, I mean, I would, modernize I, it for people? I would call him like uh, Luca's a little bit aggressive. because the uh, Actually, you know what? Luca's fair. The prices aren't the same, obviously, because there's different interest levels in basketball and baseball but he's pretty much luca he's like a, a young star he's a a stud he's gonna go 30 30 potentially even 40 40 maybe down the road i think he almost went 40 what did he do last year 30 for 30 he definitely was 30 30 last year i, I think thought he, he got had, close to 40 40 yeah i think he was two steals away that's baseball nerd stuff but he's an absolute stud um 
I would say Luca's probably the fair comparison for him. Maybe you could probably argue it's more of a Trey thing because the Braves don't win that many games. But mm-hmm. um, Atlanta, Atlanta. I also think the thing is like Acuna doesn't seem to be as likable as Luca is. Luca seems like a pretty likable guy. I know there's been some issues with Acuna not like running the base and an effort thing. So that'll mm-hmm. be interesting to watch. But yeah, Gosh, Acuna yeah. is definitely like the young star in baseball at the moment. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Soto and, and Robert, but yeah, if you ask who the next Mike Trout is, most people are going to say Acuna, I think. I think um, that's probably a fair, a fair saying right now. Any insight into like the pop on that tops update? North of yeah, 10. the pops. It's like 12, 13,000. I want to say. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty high. You know, the Luca one is probably over 15 K at this point. Again, that's another thing in terms of like, volume there's a there's a good amount of them out there but he is the most sought after player right now um in an affordable range so um i think it's great a lot so i want to i want to kind of shift gears here completely as we talk about recent risings with some of these baseball rookies now that baseball is back one of the things we've talked a lot off uh off mic here is some of the recent high-end sales that have been going on lately and just want to kind of just have that discussion about some of the big time card sales and yeah, mostly card sales that you're seeing that are gaining national attention, right? So back in February, we had the Jordan LeBron Logo Man rookie that sold for like 900k in a private sale. There was, uh, you know, multiple LeBron exquisite rookies doing over a million. There was the Trout, uh, what is it, Orange Auto? That sold for 900 some thousand. There's the case of 86 Flair Basketball that's completely sealed. That should have roughly 30 Jordans in it. That's mm-hmm. uh, last time I saw was at 1.5 million. Yeah, just want to cut it too, right? I think that's the current estimate, but just want to kind of get yeah. some some feedback from you guys and what your current thoughts are on some of these these high end sales and what this what this means for the, the market. So something I'm, I am thinking a lot about is the rise in technology what that does for uh auctions the ability uh, ability to enter into auctions whereas i think a lot of them were more either closed circles um back in the day so there's a lot more awareness of these auction houses that are going on i think a lot about uh jay-z and kanye when they put out watch the throne and like every other word there's a period of time where every other word jay-z was rapping about was about like his art collection and buying different artists and what that then did to the price and the market of that whole thing. And just alternative investment vehicles for high net worth individuals right mm-hmm. now in in an effort to probably minimize risk from an uncertainty in either uh, U.S. equities or the bond market and just the landscape of what's happening. I think you're seeing a lot go there. But I, I don't think it's a new phenomenon because it's been happening in whether you want – there's a million different – high-end artists that I don't am not even going to be able to name or for more contemporary calls right if you think about calls from like some of the statue stuff he does some more uh consumer-based larger print stuff but also one of one so I just equate it to uh alternative investing for, for high net worth individuals and I think the what is going to work a lot better for either the modern day male or where culture stands right now and and what sports means compared to say what going to a gallery or museum although personally a big fan it just doesn't have the same cultural relevance so lebron's uh, uh card selling for what it sold for is an anomaly in the oh i watch sports i watch lebron are you telling me his 
uh, rookie patch auto sold for that. But the same headline can come out once a week about a, a piece of art that closed at an auction house, you know, in East Hampton. And, and they're really not that much different. It's high net worth individuals doing alternative investment in a, in a world where it's minimized risk is how I'm thinking about it. And then when LeBron goes out and comments and says, I, I, I know someone that's sitting on a few, which is insane. And a lot of people are talking just the conversations around funds being put together to acquire these cards. I think the rookie patch auto thing, right? Maybe you can touch on a little bit the national treasure aspect where the common consumer, the common hobbyist typically isn't playing in that world, but it's extremely active. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a, a, like in, in the basketball market, especially there, there's one in other sports too, but like in basketball, like back when LeBron was a rookie, national treasures didn't exist. It was exquisite. So that in today's day and age is, is basically national treasures basketball, right? So I know we get asked this a lot, like what's a true RPA, like that kind of thing. What's that mean? So RPA obviously meaning rookie patch autograph, like LeBron's exquisite. So the one that sold at auction recently was a gold version of that card. So it's numbered to like 23, I believe. Yeah, it was, it was a nine numbered. Yep, yeah, it was a 9510. So uh, the true RPA is typically considered the base version of that set, which is out of 99. So there's 99 total copies of that card. Then the gold version is the one out of 23, which sold for 1.8 million. So uh, in basketball right now, it's the national treasures. So Instant, for instance, Zion is seventy-five grand pretty consistently. Lucas is north of fifty. Like those rookie patch autographs are sought as or looked at as the most desirable rookie patch auto of an individual basketball player. So, but but Lou, I, I Tyler kind of brought it up, and I want to Lou, I want to get your take on this as we kind of transition to one point two of this topic is. LeBron mentioning so Sports Center posted the sale right this when mm-hmm. the sale happened it got national attention 1.8 million dollars for one basketball card yep. right buyer bought it Sports Center posts about it who the guy was and the sale price of this card and then LeBron goes and comments I actually own I think he said something like I own a few of these I have a few I, some I know no, someone no, no, he who said, has I a few know of someone those. yeah with the class with the eyeball, with the eyeball. Uh-huh. yeah that has a few of these so. We saw it a couple weeks ago with Giannis that broke when Giannis posted pictures of like his basketball collection, mm-hmm. which looked like redemptions he hadn't sent back to Panini. I just want to kind of get your thoughts on what it means for the hobby when athletes like LeBron show interest or show like recognize sports cards and the fact that they may also own some of those sports cards that we all collect. Yeah, yeah I think it's a big deal, right? Like anytime you can get into the mainstream conversation of Sports Center, ESPN, CBS, whatever. Like, I, I think that's a big deal. LeBron saying, hey, I, I have a few of these. It's pretty cool, right? But I'm more interested in when I go into Sports Center's comments there and there's 5,000 comments and 2,000 of them are like, wait, I have cards. Wait, cards? Da-da-da. I think that's way more important than LeBron commenting. If you post a picture with his card, that's awesome. Yeah. But yeah. I think the value of having those 500 people saying, wait, what about this card is a factor. When it comes to things like numbered rookies and even your base autos, right? Like if there's 5,000 of a card and 400 people are going to start looking into it, that's going to change the price of the card. Like it's just the way it is. But I also, I also think the validation really matters. Like I I do think LeBron going there 
validates the hey, my stuff. There's something to be said about someone that is uh, like an old school movie star, right? You never would see them you know, if you got that autograph or you got that picture with them. It like meant something. And for LeBron to say, I think I know someone that has these and not just saying this makes no sense. This is trash. I'm just going to go continue on playing basketball for him to validate. There's a lot of human psychology that goes into that for him to validate. No, my game worn Jersey rookie card with my auto. Like, you I'm not just signing stuff. I'm not. It's not easy to get that for that. I think that validation matters. We also saw Jerry Rice posted about something earlier. Mm-hmm. PSA 10 uh, player uh, rookie. The Giannis, who yep. he po- posted on TikTok and was like pumped. He's like, look at my collection. I think once you start to get that validation in the same way of, again, I don't know the art world enough, but I think like if when call, it's like an, it's like a, if Jay-Z posted a, a video on TikTok right now of him being back in the studio working on something, it would like really drum people up. People would start listening to his old music more. It would mm-hmm. get people going, and awareness. so I think the the, the validation yeah. from these big time people, yeah, brings real awareness and real energy back into it. And so I think it does matter. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the big thing there is just it's like Lou talked about is the eyeballs, right? Like mm-hmm. if LeBron posted a picture of his rookie patch auto, what that would do with the amount of views LeBron's getting on his stuff. But like like you said, like Jerry Rice posting his tops nineteen eighty six PSA ten uh, sale on his on his page for 36,000 and posting about it and acknowledging sports cards, right? Like he talks about this. I think that's so big for the card market is that the athletes that we collect on those pieces of card are acknowledging the hobby and how expensive some of these cards are. I think it's great. Cause like Lou said, it's like, or like you said, it's like 30,000, 1.8 million. Like these are huge dollar amounts for, you know, anyone that knows nothing about sports cards. You're like, Hey, I probably have some of these cards. I mean, you probably don't have LeBron exquisite patch autos, <laughs> but like the fact that people are acknowledging it and saying, Hey, there's real money in sports cards. That's, that's new people hopefully getting into the hobby. And I think that's overall, uh, do you think LeBron bought those cards like resale or he like made a deal with top or with the upper deck? Uh, that's a upper good deck, question. Right? Exquisite. Yeah, exquisite. Yeah. I would. I'm not sure if LeBron bought them on the secondary market, like when he was, you know, at any point in time. I would assume back in the day when he was signing them that there are some sort of ex- athlete exclusive card that LeBron has. I mean, LeBron's not. LeBron's doing pretty well for himself. So if he wanted a couple of them, I'm sure he could. He could. Yeah, grab it's a couple, one of those but, things that he's. Yeah, like back to if you were Basquiat or whoever, you something that's going to be in his, either his family estate for a very long time passed down I, I i don't think he's purchasing them but recognizing the value and holding on to them yeah it's just like an artist that has a massive collection and posthumous it comes out and all of a sudden they the the estate needs to put them up or something like that uh yeah it's it's a fascinating thing but on the cherry rice thing i was going to say the amount of people that mentioned the 80 dollars shipping charge on, on the on the ebay sale fascinating people are like yeah like just ship this card that thirty thousand dollars like first class it's like four dollars it's fine like what are you guys talking about (laughs) so speaking of uh high-end collectibles sports cards and just fascinating collections overall we recently sat down with mc sports cards uh mike kantz one of the bigger players in the higher end sports card market has some amazing stories about card purchasing and just what he does in the hobby. So this is that interview.
All right, so we're sitting down today with Mike Kantz, also known as MC Sports Card, from Instagram and social media. Mike is a uh, big-time player in the sports card game, so uh, we've known each other for five, six years now, but I will let you do the introduction and explain to our listeners who you are. Okay. Well, first of all, I appreciate you guys having me on. You know, great things you guys are doing with the hobby and the podcast and everything, so... My name is Mike Kantz um, on Instagram and, and eBay is MC underscore sports cards. I've been in the card game for probably 10 to 15, probably 15 years or so. Um, started off as a collector in, in 2006 as a kid and just kind of built sets and, you know, went to Target and Walmart, bought the the blaster boxes and, you know, was really happy to get, you know, a parallel card of a random guy. And it was just you know, really loved it. And, you know, as the years went by, I, I started trading a lot and, and kind of buying and selling a little more and, and going to shows. And from that, you know, I kind of learned that you could actually start doing this and, you know, really grow your your collection with it. So um, kind of the turning point, what really put me in like, you know, this can be a legit business is when I was in high school, I bought a, a Bryce Harper Chrome 2011 Bowman Chrome uh, Orange Refractor Auto for 1500 bucks, and about two weeks later, I sold it as a Beckett nine and a half for uh, for about three thousand. And at the time, I mean, being in high school, <laughs> doubling your money on something like that is, you know, when when your only options is really a, a minimum wage job is really exciting. So kind of from that, I was like, you know what? What's what's the next thing I can do? to to flip it like that or or to keep the ball rolling and you know really from there it's just always been wheeling and dealing and and turning stuff over and you know to get to this point love it now so Mike, i'm really two, excited to two things that immediately come on my mind and i'm going to jump in is with mm-hmm. all of the the heat that's going on right now i think the, the new age flipping what the internet has done you talk about 15 years ago it wasn't as easy yep. to just make transactions yep. instagram what's going on there these different chat rooms yeah what uh, to voice to someone that is six months in eight months in what has the mm-hmm. knowledge that you've built up over all these years been able to do for you in words of kind of i'm, I'm trying to push you into like a patience conversation like hey hey play the long game here and also yeah. a lot of wariness around Hey, this this might only exist for six months, so I just want to buy, 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 and sell, sell, sell. Yeah. So you know, as I said earlier, I've been in cards for about fifteen years, and you know, I, I would say f- for a full business, it's been about four or five years. And you know, you you start somewhere, and and you kind of you have to kind of go with what you know, what you're best at, what you like. You know, whether that's buying baseball cards or or just basketball or or buying and grading. And, you know, from there, it's, it's really a slow process. And, you know, a, a lot of Instagram, you see people with good stuff, people, you know, making crazy deals. And you're like, you know, how can I get there? I want to get there right now. I want to get there tomorrow. But there's a lot of backstory to it to, you know, some of these guys have been doing it for 10, 20 years. Some of these guys spend, you know, 10 hours a day researching or, or preparing. So, you know, I definitely think that people need to just kind of do research and, and find what's best for them and and realize that, you know, you get out what you put in. So you just have to work at it. And, and then a, and, a uh, second thought is because I feel like 
over the last 18 months or so, there probably hasn't been too many losses right now. I think a lot of us come yeah. on and say like, this is really yeah. hot, but in the, in the comparatively. So I, if you buy something right now that either, if you buy a slabbed PSA 10, like you're not taking a real L right now in, in the immediate. Yeah. Can you talk, yeah. is it, do you have like one or two maybe losses that you've taken just to give t- some perspective of like, I thought this was going to be a big thing, even because over the last now five months, we haven't had sports. So there hasn't been mm-hmm. a big pros- prospect that blew an ACL. There hasn't been an Anthony Bennett or yep. something like that. Do you have one or two yeah. like real L's that you've taken to give them per- some perspective as to, because someone, people are going to get a gut punch and, and that mm-hmm. makes you better. Not I'm going to, oh, I'm yeah. done with this. Yeah. Yeah. So I used to be a big prospector, um, probably about you know six or seven years ago. I would only do like Bowman Chrome, and you know I always wanted to get who's next. And right now, the the whole prospect world is completely different. It's like night and day from where it used to be. But and talk about that. Quite, what do you mean? What what is different? So you know the Bryce Harper orange refractor auto I was just telling you guys about. Right when that came out, he was. 2011 he was the most hyped guy it was like yeah, Zion cover of sports illustrated las vegas and kid yeah it, it was crazy hype and right when it came out his gold refractor auto out of 50 was selling for about 800 dollars. and at the time everybody's like you know no way that's crazy 800 bucks for a, <laughs> a prospect like no way and then today you look at you know wander franco jason dominguez like these guys golds are selling for Four, five, six thousand dollars. Eight hundred dollars. What a base auto sells for those guys now. I know it's exactly crazy. like, yeah, you know, a, a Dominguez nine five ten, I believe, is somewhere in the the low teens, and it's just anyway. completely different. So you know, having that kind of seeing how the market has grown and changed is also kind of a, a leg up because mm-hmm. you kind of look back and you say, well, I remember this used to be this low or, or this high and i see where it is now so like you know this can very well happen with some of this stuff so you don't want to hold it forever and um you know get too attached to anything so so going back to our point i just wanted to jump in mike will you uh because you have obviously if people follow you on instagram and you've they've seen your journey there's definitely plenty of wins you've had and we'll get into some of those uh, later in this mm-hmm. conversation but what are some of the any any guy stand out to you like, hey, I thought this guy was going to be a superstar? Because I think what we want to show to people is it's not all plus, 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 plus. Because like he said, for the last five months, this has been unprecedented times and yep. no one's played. No one's looked below average. So no one's stuff has decreased. What are some of the, hey, this guy wasn't that good and it didn't work out? Yep. Sorry, I got sidetracked <laughs> from uh, from the question there. Just talking about the difference. So. Uh, in 2012, there was a guy on the Rangers named Ronald Guzman, Guzman, and uh, I, you know, I hoarded all his Chrome autos, and you know, he's young, really, really talented prospect, and hoarded a bunch of his Chrome autos, golds, blues, reds, all that fun stuff, and, and luckily, as we were saying at the time, the the price point was a lot lower, but. You know, I actually still have almost all of those today, and <laughs> I, I don't think I could get more than a, a dollar or two per. I mean, there was a point last year where he had a little bit of, little bit of. Or hype, you had two for four in like a in the minors. Yeah, or something. <laughs> yeah, something like that, and and I actually graded them all too, so I have the the grading costs into them. But so he he was probably the biggest one that I like hoarded full out, and it didn't work out. I mean, basketball 
throughout the years, every year there's a guy, um, Josh Jackson in 2017. Yep. I'm sure Ryan remembers. Oh yeah. He was, he was hot. Um, you know, his national treasures in, in a PSA 10 grade was two grand. And now I, I don't think it's more than three, 400 bucks. And I still have that one and have close to what it used to be into it. Um, and just Mike, you get into an interesting point, and I think it's it's important to point this out because, you know, while there are guys like Josh Jackson, there are other guys in the hobby that like, and something I think about a lot, like when they're rookies, they sell for, you know, astronomical amounts of money because it's all based yeah. on like the hobby now is all who is going to yeah. be good. And we talk about this a lot on here with FOMO. You don't want to miss out on the next superstar. So everybody just sells well. You know, even like if you look at it, like Donovan Mitchell has been an all-star, but his prices just don't, they don't even sell for what they did when he was a rookie. He won the dunk contest. Yep. He was rookie of the year. And I think yep. that's, that's important to kind of emphasize in this is that even if you think somebody's going to be really good, it doesn't mean their stuff will stay at those prices forever. So, um, I just, yeah. we're definitely in unprecedented times. Yeah. So that, and that's one of my later talking points that you really can't get attached to anything. Um. You know, just because you you have to kind of live and learn, you have to lose on stuff, you have to win on stuff, and you have to realize that sometimes making what's on the table or taking what's on the table is better than taking a risk for it to either go down or, I mean, obviously risks go up sometimes too. But, um, but every year there are a few really hot rookies who will never be at those levels ever again, and um, I think Donovan Mitchell does have a chance to absolutely at some point get back absolutely. There. But you look at like Josh Jackson, I mean, I don't think he's ever going to get near those values. I hope I'm wrong. Um, but then on, on the flip side, every class has those guys who nobody cares about. Sorry, the sensor light. Uh, mm-hmm. Those guys nobody cares about. You know, even in 2013, Giannis, like, you know, his base cards were a dollar, two dollars. And granted, the market was way different. There was still a lot of hype around prism basketball in, in that time so yep um can I, can I just jump in real quick yep. mike yeah two things one i would be interested to know uh like what is your strategy when you're thinking about getting into a younger guy right like i see you have some like colby white i think i saw here like some other stuff as well what is your thought process mm-hmm. on like why you choose to buy into a guy you, obviously i'm sure you have like a secret sauce you don't have to explain all that part but like generally speaking like when you say, all right, cool, I really like Colby White, I'm going to go buy XYZ, how do you get there? Mm-hmm. And then what's like the first couple things you're looking for in terms of like, what are you trying yeah. to buy? So I, I think a lot of people right now kind of just buy what's hot and they don't fully look at the stats or the team or, you know, who, if, if there's another player on the team in that position who can, you know, possibly take their role them from... Yep. Yeah, ex- exactly. So I, I think right now it's a lot of just buying what's hot. So yeah, you know, I have I've always tell people to like do your own research. Um, you can't really always go off of what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it's the right thing, but if if player X is super hot and everybody wants him, but then you you actually look at his stat line and you know even looking at like college stats and and everything, and also looking at the team, like you need to make your own judgments there and. There are some guys who I feel fall under the radar based on just, you know, good potential, good team. It's a team that could win. And then there's some guys who are selling really high and it's like, why is this guy selling for so much? I, I don't see 
any upside. And I'm, I'm not going to say any names or players I think are going to go up or down. Um, yeah. You know, it's not really what this is about, but I would definitely recommend people doing their own research and kind of know what you're getting into. Kind of like a stock. If you yeah, were buying that's exactly a stock, right. would you just, or, or any business, would you blindly buy? Yeah. Yeah. So like you, you would look at data financials, you know, the history of it. So you, you got to really apply that to, to cards. Yep. And, and, and tap into what you believe in, where things are going too. I think it could be a good exercise yeah. just for your own yeah. self, right? I, people have, there's a lot of people that are big NBA fans that don't, mm-hmm. don't go through the brain exercise of like, okay, the bubble, the bubble's going to happen. Right. But then another season starts in December. So now okay, short off season, what's that going to mean? What, what, yeah. what about the teams that aren't playing right now in the bubble? that are working what's it going to do for them right how is that going to shake out yeah i I think it's just a good exercise in what's the world going to look like in two years what's the pandemic going to do to human behavior all those things are real conversations into how you do your research how you make an informed decision or an informed investment in hopes that it go up and the more educated you are the less risk and that's when you find your sweet spot when you're like i know Yep. There's a lot of decisions that I know you've made, Mike, that are are very calculated, and you might have spent mid five figures, even six figures. And I literally met you ten minutes ago, but you just damn well know where it's going because you've put in that time and work. It's not just yep. a guess. Mm-hmm. And you can equate that across any sort of investing or or business. Yeah. So, Mike, we're certainly not asking you to be, you know, Nostradamus here, but like, where do you like, where do you, where do you see the market currently, and uh, especially like, because you can relate to eighteen months ago, we thought things were hot when Luca came yep. around, and they're not even comparable to where they are now. Yeah. So right now, the the hobby I feel is in the absolute best spot it's ever been. Um, I've. I've only been a, a full-time dealer or doing all the larger shows for about 10 years or so. So I don't have all that sample size, but I do talk to a lot of people who have been you know, full-time dealers since the eighties, nineties. And they all kind of say the same thing that, you know, 20 years from now, we may look back and say, do you guys remember 2020? Like this, that was like the glory days of art. Like you know, it, it's just outrageous right now. And some of this stuff, Nobody ever saw it coming. And if anybody saw it coming, nobody would have been selling any of this stuff yeah. years ago. Like, you know, LeBron Chromes or uh, all that fun stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot of days people sold a LeBron, you know, top screen for five G's and was like, wow, that was, yeah, that was so, huge. Yep. So going off of that, you know, the hobby's in a great spot. Um, you know, if you want to get specific on basketball cards. Right now, they're crazy because there's no season. There's nobody getting hurt or slumping or having a, you know, a breakout. So I think what's going to happen in the near future with the season is that some of these guys, if they don't perform well, they're going to dip. Some of these guys, if they perform really well, they're going to go up. If their team makes a run, they're going to go up. So it's not going to be just kind of a steady, you know, straight line. It's going to be more of, you know, this guy's down, this guy's up and that's where it's a lot of, of having knowledge and doing research is going to come into play yeah. because right now you, you can just kind of buy anything and you know, it's going to go up because there's no reason for it to go down. Mm-hmm. But the the real test is once there's something that can happen to go down or up is, is when you, you know, you have to be prepared for that. So I think short term, you know, basketball is 
is going to stay really hot. I think it's going to stay hot for a while. I think next year is a weaker class, as everybody knows. And on top of that, no March Madness. So nobody got to really see like a breakout player or see that like, wow, this guy can really get it done. Mm -hmm. So like nobody really knows much about the upcoming class unless you really watch college basketball and you kind of know everything. And it seems like a lot of people, their whole college basketball fix is just March Madness. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, that's definitely a good time so, to to see the upcoming stars. But Mike, I, I want to yeah. kind of uh, we've we've been talking recently on the podcast about uh, like the one point eight million dollar LeBron, LeBron acknowledging mm-hmm. that, you know, another million dollar LeBron. Yeah. Uh, the Jordan yeah. LeBron exquisite logo, man, that did nine hundred back in February. Jerry Rice, uh, the Jerry Rice. So there's a lot of like yep. attention uh, on the hobby recently. Uh, any any thoughts on the current state of like, especially because you deal in you know some bigger pieces? But any uh, any thoughts on mm-hmm. like the current state of like the higher like the higher end sales and what your uh, what your thoughts are on some of the stuff like LeBron posting about it, things like that? Yep. So a lot of people doubt it and think that you know there's no way it's going to stay like that. There's no way it's going to stay hot. But my whole thing is you know that LeBron card for 1.8 million. He paid 1.8 million. When's the next one going to sell? And if the next one sells, like, you know, do you think it's going to sell less than that? Because the guy who bought it will probably just say, hey, I'll take another one, you know? Yeah. So I, I think all that is starting to be treated like fine art, really, where, you know, painting, you buy this painting for $10 million and five years later is worth $100 million. It's kind of like a name your price thing there. So I, I do think that that whole realm is like a completely different part of the hobby from not, not just like price wise, just a different part of the hobby from different consumer. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different customer base. A lot of those guys are already experienced investors. They're investing in stocks, Mm -hmm. you know, gold, silver businesses, what, whatever it might be. And and they kind of know what they're doing and they're applying their knowledge to cards. And I, I think, just that fact that yeah i think people that forget that there's a lot of rich people the population on those <laughs> yep. things are low and yep when you have a lot of cash or you're sitting on liquid you need to deploy it in a way that's either going to make small like you want to minimize risk and actually i think like to your point the higher end stuff there's much less yep. downside because there will there be really a, is, a controlled yeah. market for that right if i paid one eight my, I, I, I'm actively not going to want it to go less. So if someone does put one up, I'm going to go one eight to keep my value there too. There's a lot of that. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. if you're sitting on 10 million cash at one, you're probably a smart person to get there. And that means you're making calculated decisions to limit your downside. It's not even always mm-hmm. about upside. If you're one eight, you're not like buying in thinking, oh, it's going to 10 X immediately. But if it, yeah. if it's a yep. 2%, 3%, it's a good storage of, of your cash in that sense. Yeah. And I actually saw that exact LeBron card. Somebody posted on Instagram. They sold it four or five years ago for 45,000. I thought they were getting crazy money. And even at that time, four or five years ago, somebody paid 45 grand for a card. Like, what are you doing? That's crazy. And, you know, I wonder five years from now, if, you know, cards are regularly going to sell for that much. And we're going to look back and say, Remember everybody was freaking out about that LeBron, like, you know, what I would do to buy that LeBron if I had the money back at the time, like I, I should have, you know? And, you know, since I've been in it for so long, I've seen a lot of this stuff 
five, 10 years ago where it was. I've owned a lot of this stuff five, 10 years ago. I've sold it because I was like, you know what? I don't know if it's ever going to get higher. And now it's 10, 20, 30, 40 times what it was when I sold it. And so anything immediately come to mind. Um, yeah. So I'll show it. So one of these, um, I've owned a couple. And what do we got? What do we got just for the audio? If you're listening to audio uh, only, what do we got here? 2003 ultimate collection, LeBron James rookie autograph. Uh, I got two of them and they're both Beckett 9.5s. So I've owned, I've owned multiple of those over the last six or seven years. And the first one I owned, I, I traded to my good friend who actually still has it for about 7,000 in value. And at the time that was great value. He gave me, you know, really good trade on it. I was happy. He was happy. And you know, that was it. And then you, you know, the card goes up to 10, 15 and I'm like, no way. And then 20, 25, 30. And, and now it, it just keeps going up crazier and crazier. And on the trading right. side, I'd love to just touch on that. I think for the newer, again, collective, whether you're a sneaker, uh, you know, reseller or book reseller, or I think this has emerged mm-hmm. as a new arbitrage kind of market. For a lot of people that were yeah. in other arbitrage markets what's trading been like what's going to card shows the community aspect of it as someone that deals in a lot of high-end stuff and there's probably a lot of cash being yeah. exchanged talk to me about and i'd love to just impart some of that on people of there's a lot of good that can be done in exchanges of of trades if you if you have a personal collection of one guy or stuff like that mm-hmm. what's that been like for you some of just a trading like you mentioned a friend you know it's a fun story yeah. to have now yeah so i i am all for trading and honestly a lot of times on these bigger pieces i prefer to trade them over sell them and that's because if i'm trading you this you know lebron auto worth x amount you know i could sell it to you that that's fine you know i could sell it to you take the money and reinvest it but if i'm going to trade it with you you're going to give up cards that you would never sell unless it was to get something better and some of these cards that you would never sell are cards that you really can't buy. And if you find one, you you really have to pay up for it. And, you know, these are cards that never come up. So using some of these big pieces to trade is, is actually great for doing this as a business because you're always getting new inventory mm-hmm. and you're always getting rare stuff. Sorry, this, oh, okay. this, this is my favorite thing here. now. <laughs> uh, the light sensor. Yeah. Um, but so you're you're always getting, you know, by trading, you're always getting new inventory. And if, if you follow my Instagram, you see I'm I'm regularly posting, you know, group pictures, multiple slides almost almost daily. And that's just because of all the trades and and all that. I think and, it's a good know, way to tap into other people's research too. You know, as you say, like yeah. again, to to the markets, right? There's people that are yeah. so uh, uh, equities market, so dialed into energy, so dialed into tech, mm-hmm. so dialed into agriculture. And it's a way that, okay, just if I want to get in the game a little bit on agriculture, it's like knowledge exchange, right? Someone might be super deep in soccer and you might be super deep in basketball. You link up and you're like, the the value is there. You do a little bit of homework and now you're sitting on product that someone spent a lot of time researching Mm -hmm. and it's a good, good exchange there. And then just segue because we talk about it a lot and I would love to, I have no idea where your knowledge sits, but two things that people have been tuning in and, and liking from conversation from us is pokemon 
and I think that plays in the high end and side of stuff. If you have any uh, knowledge there, and then and then the soccer nope. market. How about the soccer market? Yeah. So Pokemon, and like everybody as a kid, I collected it. That's about as far as I've gone with it. Uh, I would love to get into it again and and kind of learn more about it just to kind of broaden my knowledge and well, something. Tune into Car Talk Pod. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I really don't know much about Pokemon, unfortunately. Soccer, still don't really know as much, but I know that the you know the buying, grading, and selling, and the way that cards go up and down, from what I've seen, is the same as basketball or baseball. So I think once I can just kind of learn a little bit more about the players, the knowledge is there of because it's it's kind of just like a a preset frame there. Yeah. So you know if and- I knew more about the soccer players. I think that's a that's a great point here is that like what you know in basketball and football and baseball is a transferable skill that like if you understand how the market works, if you understand who's going to be good and that you can grade cards and the how values increase that you can, you know, do well in other markets you might not know as well about. But it also speaks to the point you made earlier that you can do really well in this in this hobby or this business just doing one or two sports, right? Like you don't have to get into everything. And I think Mike's point earlier speaks to that, that like if you stick to Mm -hmm. what you know and you do your research on what you know, you can be very successful. But uh, Mike, obviously you've been very successful in this and you're just doing amazing things in this. So I want to kind of give our audience uh, a little bit of how you turned your passion and your love for cards into a full-time business because obviously you're, you're thriving in this. So what advice would you give someone that's, you know, relatively new in this and is looking to turn their hobby or passion into a full-time business? I always like to ask our, our interviewers, um, or interviewees what their, uh, what their take is there. Yeah. And I, I get asked this all the time and I kind of have like the same few answers that I tell everybody. And I, I do get messages in a year, two years down the road that say, you know, thank you for telling me this, this, and that it, it's helped me or, or this one point has helped me a lot. So one, one thing I always stress is that if you're doing this as a business, you, you can't get attached to everything. So, you know, a lot of people are collectors and they're passionate about cards and they love their cards. But if you do this as a business, like your business isn't collecting, your business is selling. So, you know, you have to lose that attachment and what ties in with the attachment is your cash flow. And you have to keep a, a steady cash flow going. And if you want to keep everything, you can't sell anything or a lot of things. And then it's a cash flow issue. And then when a huge deal comes your way or you're at a show and you have a great opportunity, you can't buy it because you know you, you weren't prepared for it. So that that's the biggest thing I stress there. Um the the whole cash flow and, and getting attached to things. And uh, you know, once that you get over that hump, it helps a ton. Another thing is you know, actually keep track of, of data, of how you're doing, mm-hmm. know how your business is running, you know, don't just go crazy buying everything, selling everything. And when it's all said and done, you have no idea if you made, you know, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, 5,000, 10,000, you, you want to know exactly what you're doing and you know, what you can do. And tied with that though, is it does add extra time. It does add extra work, but you know, I spend probably three or four hours a day staring at spreadsheets or or looking at eBay sales or you know looking at like trends from last year or, or 
stuff like that. So, so it's not all just, wanna, it's all just not just fun and just buying cards and selling cards. There's actually work behind the scenes yeah. that really goes into it that re- are, is required yeah. to build a business. And discipline. I yeah. think that it's a real discipline, the, the non-attachment, right? I, I think uh, something that Gary says a lot is that I've learned is like, there's no room for emotions it, it, to be a, a yep, really good exactly. business person. And when, to, to your point, if you're sitting on a, a, a piece of cardboard encapsulated in plastic that has a value of yeah. mid six figures, you can become very drawn to just having it and holding it and staring at it. And it becomes an emotional yep. relationship. And there can yeah. be a lot of downside to that in all of business, in mm-hmm. all of business and how you manage your relationships with your buyers and sellers, all of that. And, yep. and there's, it's, it takes a lot of discipline to, to, to stay sharp in that. Because even if you don't, if you do have an emotional and you, and you're in negotiations, you know, this isn't a 200, $300 negotiation where it's 10% and 180 or 215, you know, on, on, yeah. on the three figures. You know, when you're going into a negotiation and you're looking to make a you, whatever mid six figure deal, like you, you really have to remove yourself from any attachment to the, to the process. And, and that's difficult. Yeah. By the way, real quick. Yeah. Ty, like I also think to apply that to our listenership, who most likely for the most part is not doing the type of things that Mike's doing, the same principles apply though. Like you're Fair. saying three you're figures. You're super right. You're super is right. Like, yep. Like, yeah. cool. You can get 300 for this card. That's what you should like. Don't go. Don't get ridiculous over it. You're super right. Yeah. Um, and it, it really wasn't only it, it wasn't until probably two or three years ago where I would constantly be holding so much inventory and just kind of thrown back. Um, you know, up until that point I was buy, sell, buy, sell, buy, sell. And you really have to start out that way until you can get to a point where, you know, you can now afford to keep X amount of cards and, and maybe be long term for a year or two yeah. or you know, and you keep rolling that over to where you could sit on a lot more and, and be a little longer term and have it not affect your regular business. Um, so a lot of people who are getting started, they, you know, they might not understand that and they want to keep everything and you're going to sell stuff that's going to go up after you sell it. I mean, that it's the name of the game. You're going to also sell stuff that's going to go down after you sell it. And a, a lot of this stuff, like the high, you know, the high volume P, uh, prism stuff and and chrome stuff you know it's not difficult to rebuy it so you can't be scared to buy it for 100 sell it for 200 and if you regret it then you know rebuy into it when it's 300 and maybe you'll you'll yep sell it and and if you buy something for 200 and then it's at 150 you can also sell and take a take a loss it might go to yeah. zero and then you're gonna yeah. lose anyway Yep. Well, Mike, we uh, we certainly certainly appreciate you coming on the show here. Um, any other uh, having me? Uh, all your stuff on social is all MC Sports Cards, right? Yeah, just Instagram and and eBay. Cool. Um, I I do have a Facebook page, and that's just linked to my Instagram post. Cool. So cool. nothing different there. But appreciate you guys having me. It's fun talking Absolutely. to you. And you know, any anybody who's got any questions, who's listening or, or watching, you know. Feel free to message me. I'm I'm happy to help or give you my thoughts on something. Um, to some degree, I mean, can't give away all the secrets, but <laughs> love it. Happy to help you as best as I can. Love. So hopefully, well, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you in December. We'll, we'll have to yep. Pop over to a show before so. then. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Let's hope so. Thanks again, Mike. All right, guys. All right, Jen. Yep. No problem. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Have a good one. Peace. 
That was our interview with Mike Kant, again, MC Sports Cards. Make sure you guys check him out on Instagram and social. He posts some absolutely incredible cards, as you can hear from the conversation, but has some really great stuff, so make sure you guys check him out. But want to move on to our mailbag topic. So these are questions we take from uh, the listeners. So if you want to submit a question you want answered on our show, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram at cardtalkpod or send us an email at cardtalkpod at gmail.com. We'll be sure to try to get to those in an upcoming show. So our question today is from award underscore cards on Instagram. And it says, what do you think about wide receivers in the football market? So what are your guys' current take? And we got a lot of other questions about this. So I want to kind of dive into this about what wide receivers, running backs, and basically non-quarterbacks look like in in the card market right now. Yeah, I I think we're entering a different phase of collecting, right? Like we talk about this all the time. It's a different era quote unquote, than your typical collector and your typical hobbyist is looking for when they come to football cards. The reason why quarterbacks get the most love is because they have the ball in their hands every play. So people generally are like, all right, I'm going to buy my quarterbacks. They'll be the most popular and they'll sell for the most money, right? Generally speaking. Now you have people like Michael Thomas, you have Alvin Kamara, you have um, Tyler Boyd, my guy, Um, all those guys, right? So I think... (laughs) I think Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas are unbelievably popular figures in the NFL, and they're going to have a lot of games, not a lot, they'll have their games this year where Michael Thomas might go for 250 one game and have two touchdowns, three touchdowns, plus a pretty good team, right? So I think you're going to see a different level of interest based on the people who are buying the cards now. There's going to be a lot more people who are fans of teams getting into cards again. There's going to be people who aren't going to be able to afford the Drew Brees rookie card or the... Patrick Mahomes rookie card, and they're gonna be like, "All right, I want Michael Thomas. I want Christian McCaffrey, who also is a little bit expensive in his own right." But I just think there's a lot more interest because there's different people involved. Yeah, I I think um, I try to separate like the hobby. I try to separate collecting and investing and flipping. And so I think if you're a big fan and and collecting, there's a lot of fun to be had. And a lot of the positional players you'll find at a much cheaper. But like the evolution in all sports, analytics are taking over. And I think long are the days of, and when you bring up Alvin Kamara, I would debate that 24, 36 months from now, Alvin Kamara may be a backup running back on another team. And I, the, the evolution, the, the, the thought now that goes into where you're putting your money uh, from a team spending. And I would almost guys like maybe Christian McCaffrey, but still yet to be seen on the super studs double down, but otherwise don't touch it. If they're not Michael Thomas, clearly a stud, I would go there, but there's a, the majority of number one receivers in, in the league. It's, it moves so fast now because the investments go quarterback and then line the longer the days investments like, in real life sports, by the way. It's, yeah. 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 That's what I mean. What, what, to, for a team, it just doesn't make sense to be really investing in these guys. Now it's also to be said, not all owners build their team to win Super Bowls every year. Sometimes it makes a lot of sense to have a stud Saquon, right? Great. New York market is going to drive a lot of juice for the New York giants. A incredible human might not be a top 
five running back for more than five years, simply the way that the league works right now. I would actually say if you want to play in the space of non-quarterbacks, go vintage. Randy Moss, someone I think about all the time. Legend. Going to be a legend. Can't take it away from him now. Michael Thomas, breaking numbers, really getting there. But like rookie wide receivers or the top rookie running back, you just see it more often than not that it doesn't play out for long term. And so if you're collecting, if you're buying a card for your son or for a friend, or I have a first, uh, my, my friend's son's first birthday is this weekend, like pick him up something that isn't about buy and sell and flip is about a little piece of memorabilia for his bedroom. But I would just be very wary of trying to buy a positional player that's having an eight-week moment, thinking that it's going to be sustainable because the way that the league's working right now, how the GMs are spending on players, very few things outside of line and quarterback are not immediately ready to be traded or immediately be ready to uh, release because the, that, the level of talent and athleticism and scouting that's going on as well, running backs are becoming a dime a dozen. I'm a massive Penn State fan. I'm the biggest Saquon fan in the world. I would be hard-pressed to believe that four years from now, Saquon's a top guy in the league. It just isn't how it works anymore. I agree with you. Broken I agree with you. I'm saying that there's way more people invested, invested as an in interested in the market, right? Interested yeah, yeah, in cards fair. in general, and that's going to lead to the price, the price going up. That's all. Yeah, I'm but saying. I think you'll I'm, also see then crashes. Yeah, I, I don't know if you're going to see immediate crashes on guys like Kamara. I think those are, you know, if if like you said, if he's a five backup in five years, those those are slow, 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 uh, slower decreases. I think the big thing is like like Lou said is like you're getting a lot of people in the market right now, and Michael Thomas and Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey, those guys are not only putting up amazing stats on Sunday; those guys are also in commercials and active on social media. Like those guys are relevant. Like Kamara, I mean, has the deal with Airheads, just like Lynch had with Skittles. Like those guys are those guys are 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 a big part of social media. They're they're active outside of football. Um, and I also think the other thing is is like when you get into the cards and you see what these cards sell for. If you're just getting in and you just have a, you know, you can spend a couple hundred dollars, you can't afford most Mahomes cards. Like yeah. Mahomes silvers are what, over six grand now for PSA 10s? Yep. Like Michael Thomas is 200, 220. So if you want, you know, a top five wide receiver or the only wide receiver that got a number or 99 in Madden, that's Michael Thomas. A PSA 10, you know, 200 bucks, whereas Mahomes, who got a 99, is 6,200. And I'm sure the population is probably relatively similar. And if I had to bet, it would probably favor Michael Thomas because those haven't been uh, graded as many times as the Mahomes have. So I think the big thing there is uh, I don't think they're the best long-term investments. Like I don't think they're, you know, like something I would want all my money in, but if Michael Thomas ends up being generational or DeAndre Hopkins or Julio Jones, who I think are, are, you know, the guys that are more sure things like you can buy those PSA 10 chromes or, you know, definitely. But if, you are a, if you're a Jaguars fan right now and you're like pumped about, and I'm just throwing this out there. If you're pumped about their, they took a wide receiver in round one, again, hypothetical. I just don't know how opportunity cost, like if that is going to be a great investment. Yeah, I think that there's two arguments there, though, is should you buy rookies that you think are going to be good and do they have potential to go up in the right system? Yes. I think the other argument is, do you buy Michael Thomas cards 
right? Like, are Michael Thomas cards worth buying at their current price? Yes. Michael Thomas is a great, though. Like, the Dolphins' number one wide receiver, who I don't even know. If I'm a big Dolphins fan and I'm trying to get into this and I'm like, I think he's going to be really good. I just want people to keep in mind of where that player is actually valued in being on a long, like, given the chance long term. Because every single year, what you're seeing with these position players, it's just exploded in the sense of there's teams. Again, I'm not good at recalling names immediately, but I feel like the Ravens every year just have a stud running back that comes in, puts in 12 months of work, and then bounces and goes take a contract somewhere else, plays out two years. And Gus Edwards came out of nowhere a couple years ago, right? Gus Edwards for the Ravens, running back, came out of nowhere, had no cards at the time, burst onto the scene. And then didn't do anything the next year. They signed Mark Ingram and just kind of like dwindled down. So uh, yeah, certainly don't buy into the hype. I think the bigger argument is, is are there guys like Lou Thinks and Tyler Boyd, right? Who are in good situations, going to get time, like the right scenario where they have potential to explode. And then there's, uh, again, I think it's two completely different arguments. Like the guys that burst onto the scene versus guys that are like Julio Jones and are consistently putting up thousand yard receiving or thousand yard seasons. Like are those guys worth buying? And that, that I don't think it's a bad thing to have a Julio card, a Michael Thomas card. I'm just not sure I'd put all my money in those. I would also say guys like drew lock card sell for $350 and that guy hasn't done anything. So it's the same. It's the same conversation. Sure. Yes. But, the Broncos are much more invested in his success long term than the uh, KJ Hamler, who they just drafted and spent real draft capital on. Yeah, but I, how often are you like considering what an organization does when you buy a basketball card? Because it's like the well, opposite I, uh, in basketball. Meaning, like you're buying a Devin Booker card, and you're like, he's going to be a Nick. Like that's a conversation that people have all the time. There's just much less players in the NBA. In- interesting, interesting argument. No matter what, uh, QB again, QB is still run the market. That will continue to be the way for it is. I'm, we're not here to say say that's going to be different because it's not going to be. QBs will continue to run the market. So at the moment, yeah. basket or running backs, quarterback or running backs, wide receivers, defensive players, those are all always going to be a second tier. But and I think the top three to wrap it up a little bit, maybe the top three to five percent of position players. I could see a real increase in there to the Michael Thomas conversation, Julio Jones. I just would be wary about taking gambles on positional players that you think are going to have high upside because even at the highest of upside, a lot of times they are very interchangeable. Uh, so I want to continue this before we wrap this up because this is the opposite of what Lou said last week with buy Tyler Boyd because Tyler Boyd's going to be good. So again, I think we can get into this in, in next week's episode. Even though we're on a team and I'm, I'm now invested exactly. in, in Tyler so Boyd. That's, but, yeah. Lou's whole strategy for Stump the Shop is buy guys that are going to be good. So I think it's I think the complete opposite of that, and we can talk about more of this next week. I, I have more interest in buying Jerry Judy for what he's going to be in Denver than for Julio Jones for what he's gonna what he already is in Atlanta and where his price is compared to what Judy could be. So that's a conversation for another day about buying into prospects versus proven guys. But let's uh let's wrap this one up. Let's go to this week's releases. Let's talk about there are a couple releases, but there's two I really want to focus on this week. Tops Sterling Baseball 2020 being the first one. This is a high-end baseball product that has not been on the market, and I believe this is 10 years. So high end, it's a 
I believe there's a one-on-one guaranteed, either a jersey or a jersey autograph per box. This is expensive stuff, um, but not the most intriguing release this week. For me, it's got to be 2020 Upper Deck Goodwin Champions. So this is a release with all sorts of, uh, this is a hodgepodge of different things. But the main focus on this is it has LeBron and Michael Jordan autographs in it. As Upper Deck owns the the autograph rights to both of those players, this is the only release of the year typically that you're going to have any sort of standard trading cards that are autographed by LeBron and Jordan in a in a pack of cards. So Ryan, does that operate the way like Panini does with baseball? Like, does Upper Deck are they allowed to put the Lakers logo on that card? If you get a no. LeBron auto, you cannot. Not on a trading card. So the thing Upper Deck has rights to with like Lakers and stuff like that might be memorabilia. So like Anthony Davis has an Upper Deck, like he has like an autograph deal with Upper Deck. So if Upper Deck prints like a 16 by 20, he can be in his Lakers jersey. So like Upper Deck a couple years ago did a product when Ben Simmons was a rookie. It was like, because Ben Simmons signed an autograph rookie deal with Upper Deck when he came in. So he had no rookie card signed by Panini. So when he came out, they made like a product. It was, I forget the name of it. Like it's a, basically they put them on like basketball size floors. They're like jumbo cards, like five by sevens. And that was the way around it. That was the way around it. So you had Ben Simmons on like a five by seven floor card picture of him in a Jersey signed on this floor. So it wasn't an actual certified like three by four uh, sports card. Um, So that's how they got around it. But Hmm. Upper Deck on tr- individual, like normal size trading cards, can't produce the NBA logos. Panini has the the rights to that. So, interesting. So yeah, big, big, uh, big release this week. Again, I think that Goodwin Champions will do well. Anytime you have the ability to pull a thousand dollar Jordan or LeBron from a pack of cards anymore, since there's only typically one per year, that always seems to bode well for the market. So, we'll uh, we'll be interesting. Are to you going to do breaks of that? that? Yeah. Not typically because you have things in that product like in the past they've had like fossil cards and like uh, patch cards of like like uh, manufactured patch cards of like different dog breeds like all oh, it's sorts like Allen of, and Ginter kind of yeah v- very uh-huh. similar like all sorts of like odds and ends like I said hodgepodge earlier like yeah. it's gotcha. it's very random so not typically something you'll uh, you'll see a lot of breaks on um, at least not something from me so. Wrapping up, what uh, what is your break schedule looking like over the next week, and what are you what are you mainly breaking right now? Where where can people maybe tune in and see what's going on in your world there? Yeah, likely break Friday night. That's typically the night we break the most each week. Um, so I went Friday. into his stream, his Instagram live stream, like four different times throughout Friday night, and he was live the entire time over like a five hour span. It was wild. Yeah, it's typically uh, it's Friday nights are pretty long. We uh, we typically go live from like six thirty, six forty five Eastern, and it's typically till about one a.m. <laughs> Nice. And, so, and a lot of basketball, mosaic. Yeah, basketball is definitely where, again, we talk about this on here a lot, but basketball is where the market's at. So I'll do some football now and then too, just because, you know, Burrow and Tua and those guys have hype. But, but it, Car- it's card still. Cardcollector2.com to check that out. Mm-hmm, yeah, to purchase breaks. But again, uh, Cardcollector2 on Instagram, that's where we talk about like when we post them and, and stuff like that. So cool. um, yeah, it'll be a. Uh, exciting stuff so check us out on social uh check us out on social it's a uh, card talk pod on twitter or instagram uh and card talk pod at gmail.com for any questions for our mailbag but that is all we got for episode number three we will see you guys next week that's a wrap on card talk this week 
please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen and get notified when we publish a new episode. It'd mean the world to us if you gave us a five-star rating and shared this episode with a friend. We'd love to answer your questions, so email us at cardtalkpod at gmail.com and we'll get to it in the next episode. Card Talk is a 1.37 p.m. podcast and a Gallery Media Group original production.